when at first you don't succeed, just retake the penalty. It's not so MLS. <laughs> a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. Nick, how are you? I'm doing fantastically well. I, uh, yeah, it's good to have a redo on things, right? <laughs> I had to, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, the, the Women's World Cup group stage has left us. I, uh, I, I got to watch the Canada-New Zealand game at the Bunkhouse Hostel in St. John. That's uh, right. Thank you to the peop- other people who were there. Um, and it was, uh, that was a wonderful time. And, and the group stage itself also has been a wonderful time. Uh, even if it has been a, a time, thanks to, thanks as much as anything to the Gold Cup, uh, a time where we uh, we don't have very much MLS to talk about. Absolutely. No, it's been, I mean, the nice thing about any sort of uh, international break is it means that there is still soccer to watch. So <laughs> it, adm- admittedly, it took me a little while to gear up to this one because I think I was having my uh, mid-season MLS slump where I felt like I needed a break. And then once I got re-engaged with the Women's World Cup, I was like, no, I'm good. I can keep watching soccer. <laughs> Back in. Well, that's how I felt. That's how I felt after a certain uh, European Champions League game, where I was like, "Ah, I hate soccer. Why do yeah, I even like uh, this? Why do I do this to myself? I'm, done. <laughs> I'm gonna start reading again." But then you see, uh, then then you see some some wonderful goals. I want to shout out. I um I didn't watch the game, but this uh, or was that was this NWSL Houston goal? You see these wonderful uh, goals from from way far out, and you're like. Mm. Ah yes, it uh, it it uh, refreshes my soul. Um, yeah. I felt the middle stage group games, the is, are like one of the ones where I started to like check out a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I was really in for all of the the first stage group stages where you, where you're trying to like get to know everybody, and then the rest is like you know you're on a weekend and and you're 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 doing other stuff. But then I was dialed way back in for all of the um, final group clashes, and they were uh, there were some good ones. Yeah, there definitely were. I was when I was going back through my notes. It's kind of funny because I I was like, did I just not like Germany's through? But I don't think I've watched a single one of their matches, and I don't even like see it here. Um, and then I'm like, oh no, they just like cruised through the whole thing. Uh, and I just didn't pay attention to that part. Yeah, it's like, I feel like Germany had that little stumble um, in the first game. But it was a stumble by Germany standards where it's like, oh, well, they only won by one. Yeah. <laughs> but but they have moving quickly through everybody else. They beat uh, South Africa for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of headers. Um, lots of headers, yeah. A goalkeeper, oops, where the keeper can't punch him far enough and it, and it gets caught. Um, I'm looking for this. The The FIFA tracker is already switched to the knockouts. It's already, it's already in the future. Um, and, uh, and they look very impressive. The, uh, the other yeah. game in that group was... Uh, Chile, Spain, Spain, or China, Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually, I feel like the other thing about my how I've chosen these these final group stage matches 
is that I picked matches that ultimately, um, and I was always like, is the other one that's going on at the same time better? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, which is part of what I love about World Cup is even if it's like, okay, this is going to decide who's third in the group. If it's a better game of soccer, you're like, screw it, I'm watching it. <laughs> so that was the one I watched, the the, the, the nil-nil draw. Um, the, before we leave Journey, they had to, the, the other thing that's great about them is that they had four separate goal scorers as part of that, so you know that they are, they're dangerous all around. Um, yeah. But I, I watched China-Spain. And I liked it a lot. I really liked China in this tournament, and I'm I'm happy that they are continuing to the next round. Uh, are they? I thought they were out. I believe that that so this this is a nil this was a nil nil draw, but oh uh, I see yeah 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 it was a nil nil draw that confirmed both of them. Right. Um. So China and the China and the knockouts will face uh, Italy. Um, Italy. Yeah. who themselves had, uh, are, before I move off China, I just want to say that I thought that the goalkeeper did quite well uh, mm -hmm. in that game. Um, well, and it's nice to see new teams in the mix. Like, that's, for me, the exciting part about this World Cup is is we're seeing some different players. Um, and by players, I don't mean the individual players necessarily, but different actors in the arena of the the teams that are making it through and the competitors. So... That's exciting, and it's great for the sport when we see uh, it's not necessarily just the usual suspects. Of course, they were there, Germany and the United States. Neither team conceded any goals in the opening stages, um, and we expect both teams probably to go quite far, but you never know now, especially with some different teams in the mix. Yeah, uh, you the, the, the byword everybody always talks about is that they um, uh, is that people are catching up. And, and you saw, with the exception of that big Thailand thing that we all talked about, um, the, uh, the 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 idea that that sort of mid mid range powers are are standing up uh, quite well in Spain. Both Spain and China are examples of this. China mm -hmm. made it to the quarterfinals in 2015, losing to the states. So it kind of re remains to be seen uh, how far they can get. Uh, the um, they are facing Italy, who is kind of like the tournament's main upset at this point. Peng Shimang yeah. was the goalkeeper that I thought uh, was was excellent. Shimang, mm -hmm. um, I thought she did quite well, and, and I'm excited to see what happens in the next uh, round with her. The um, Italy uh, is is definitely a team when we talk about of powers that are. Um, that are trying to that are teams that are asserting themselves as powers is a team that I definitely didn't expect to win its group. No, for sure, and that was sort of all capped off by the uh, the five nothing win over Jamaica, where you just saw them in f what they look like at the height of their powers. Um, you know, Jamaica not necessarily a, a giant of this competition. Then Italy got beaten by uh, Brazil in the end, but. You know, Ghirelli there with the hat trick and just the the scoring prowess of that team where when they're playing at the top of their levels really look like a difficult team to beat. And yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in the knockout stages with them. They are going to be face, facing, as we said, uh, China. And given China's sort of unexpected move through, I think this should be a really interesting matchup. 
The uh, um, this is Italy's first World Cup since '99, so they didn't they missed the previous four. Mm. Um, I thought that their match against their their final stage match against Brazil, which was uh, which was very very close for the whole time. Um, I thought had a very kind of uh, unfortunate penalty. Uh, was was the only goal for Brazil. Uh, Lenore was given this penalty on Dabinia. Um, but the more that I looked at it, it's like this is this is the um, the incidental contact penalties that we've been talking about a lot mm-hmm. in the World Cup and ML- MLS, where um, the the players are running and and Dabinia takes an extra long touch, so the ball rolls further ahead of her. And the Italian defender inserts herself between the attacker and the ball. Mm-hmm. And then whether you could say that that's a shoulder check when the attacker tries to close up again and bounces off her shoulder and takes a bump, I don't know. But I don't see her lower her shoulder. I don't see her try to assert contact. I see her move in between the ball and the player. And I think this is something that gets a lot of people hung up. Um, but as somebody who's been called on this for a foul, not to give up necessarily a PK, but on any other pitch, any other area of the park, making that move without playing the ball can still be called a foul. Now, it can okay. look soft because essentially you can hold your ground and somebody can run into your back and fall over. However, if you're in between the player and the ball... Like, you, there's a certain amount of shielding that you can do, but if all you're doing is holding back the player and not making any attempt to play the ball, then you can get called for a foul. So I agree that it's a little bit of a light penalty given. However, I think you can still say it's a foul. And I think for, for a lot of us, and and certainly I have this too, is that what we're looking for in a PK shout is something that is a really clear penalty where it's a player getting taken out and being denied the goal scoring opportunity however this position where you're making no attempt to play the ball is still technically a foul so yeah brazil makes the most of it and i think they're knowing what they know what they're doing going into this however letter of the law um when people are like that's never a penalty i'm like well it's not a great one but it's not it's not a ghost penalty (laughs) I think you're absolutely right, and and this is something that'll come up uh, with with a couple other games this round. And, and what are you talking about? <laughs> a, a discussion that you know this is you know a lot of people are hot about VAR for for some of these for some uh, fouls that would be considered sort of microscopic. But um, but while we're while we're here though, we need to take a moment also to recognize that this is Marta who gets the all-time scoring in all World Cup competitions, including men and women, breaking the record. And I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say a caveat first. Now, talking about Women's World Cup, I don't want to talk about aesthetics or people's looks. And as I'm saying this (laughs) as a queer person and as a sign of respect, but Marta wearing this, like, dark, dark lipstick while taking this penalty is one of the most most badass looks I've ever seen taking a penalty. It's so good. Dark, Mar- dark Marta. Marta. Marta is a brilliant athlete and I respect her as such, but it's a baller move as well to wear this like super dark, sassy lipstick taking this move. All I'm saying is I want to see it more in men's soccer. 
I love yes, absolutely. I love this Goth Marta look. Uh, I've seen Goth Marta. I've seen the suggestion that uh, um, that like wow, that lipstick must be really uh, like durable. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I think Neymar should uh, should throw it on next time as well. It can um, only help improve his game. I think that you're absolutely right. I think that I was salty at the moment, so I kind of overlooked the achievement, um, which is which is a huge achievement. I've also heard. I also think that like, oh, I I know people sometimes grouse about whether or not you should count achievements like this between the two competitions, um, mm. with the idea that there's you know a level of play difference. I think that the reason why I I think anybody nobody is gonna stop celebrating a men's world cup player for their achievement so i don't think that that's a concern and also you do see people compare leagues like this when it's mm -hmm. when you're comparing top light top flight achievements uh that that title is bestowed to uh you know mls or the swedish league or the premier league right <laughs> la liga <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm not saying it's easier to score a goal in La Liga, but <laughs> right. So this is this is my point. It's a top-flight international competition, and I think that's why why it's fine to compare it that way. Um, where do we want to go next? There's um, a, there's so many games. There's so many games. Well, let's go to Australia because when you talked about Germany um, being mm. like, oh, have I watched any Germany games? This is how I felt about Australia, where I kind mm. of was on the wrong. This is another one where it's like, well, I'm watching Ital Italy, uh, Brazil, and then I flip over, and then Australia has this huge uh, scoreline as they beat Jamaica 4-1 um, with four goals from Sam Kerr, who yeah. who is is really putting a stamp on uh, a potential reputation as, as best player in the world and, um, and is kind of a reason why people are, are talking about Australia as such top competitors. Now they didn't win the group. Um, but obviously I feel like Kerr wants to come out of the group stage, uh, producing at the highest possible level. Absolutely. Um, and it, th that for me is what's really exciting here is that, uh, Australia is not considered a, a powerhouse, but they have been a team that's been steadily increasing in quality. And this four, one win over Jamaica is just, you know, Sam Kerr just making a day of it. And as you say, like really, um, it almost feels like a dress rehearsal for the, the knockout stages of just really trying to clean up clinical performances um, and have the finishes. And it's just, it's all highlight reel stuff <laughs> in this game. I like and it, it's nice as well that Jamaica got their first ever World Cup goal in this one. That's true. Yeah, it's, this is what, this is one of the other things to look at when you're, when you're in the end of a, of a World Cup group stages. You know who placed third? Who 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 was able to to you know get their milestones? Um, I liked that the second goal for Kerr, who plays for uh, Chicago Red Stars in in, in the NWSL, uh, is really like um, I don't know if you've ever had experience with sort of like a nose based header, where it's like it is a headed goal, but it's kind of like you really faced it in as much as anything. Yeah. And there's also a, a, a sly fourth goal where the keeper uh, goes to take uh, is going to take a goal kick, and then scuffs it. And of course, Kerr is not but four feet away. <laughs> and and, uh, and I don't think this is interfering with the keeper, 
but uh, but she hops on the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I love to this. Um, what I like about Australia is just sort of the the get up and go ness of their team. That the taking opportunities and just looking very switched on. And how many Lord, how many matches have we talked about where? Uh, people aren't switched on and aren't taking their chances, and Australia just seemed like completely dialed in through every game uh, and and ready to really make the most of each and every play. And I think that that's going to serve them well. And what's ultimately going to be really exciting about them in the knockout stages, uh, they will be facing nobody because they did Norway, yeah. Norway, Norway. So I skipped over. Decent, I was like, wait, how are they not there? That's a decent. Uh, that becomes a decent sort of part of the bracket. It's like, really, the 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 round of sixteen, the the quarterfinal tie of death is France, Brazil, Spain, U.S. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, there's a there's a part of me being on the whole other side of the bracket, final wise, that is very happy that I'm not on that side, but. You know, Australia, Norway, England, Cameroon is 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 you know like a like an even chance, um, an even chance set of of, of results, where you're not Absolutely. really worried about uh, trying to run into a team that's going to steamroll you. Although uh, England did make it through the group stage um, without taking a loss after beating uh, Japan. Yeah, this game was a little bit strange to me. I mean, Japan looked not bad through the the competition, but kind of lacking their usual intensity. This like really really high quality, um, patient build up play that we've seen seems to have resulted in now it being a little bit like they're taking too much time in the build up, and teams are catching them on the break. And that seemed on display here. Uh, White for England gets the two goals. And maybe just kind of not really ready for an England that really did a a tremendous job of using effective counters in this and putting Japan on the back foot. I think Japan is ready to have a slow and patient build-up and defend in blocks in a very organized way. But when teams just come flying at them, seem to kind of stumble. And that was really what England used to kind of a devastating effect here to, to see them with the two nothing victory. Yep. Um, Ellen White has played in, uh, it scores is kind of like a long rolling ball for the first goal. And then, uh, and then it's a, a, another break for, uh, White in the, for the second. I think that with Japan, the thing to remember is that, you know, they won in, 2011 and they made it to the finals in 2015 so we all remember sort of a period of dominance from them but they Mm -hmm. also had a lot of turnover between then and now they have a lot of young players and i think that just you know i went to the japan england quarterfinal in 2015 or semifinal it was a great experience uh england conceded a uh, uh conceded a, an own goal in the 92nd minute heading to extra time in a world cup semifinal which oh that was that was uh, heartbreaking for them but they get their mm-hmm. their so like that's the japan that i remember and and was backing i have a hot spot a, a soft spot for i thought i think i would yeah. like to i would like to see them do well but they are in a more developing stage 
Although they still got four points, they still got four points in, in qualify for the quarterfinals as second, uh, as second place finishers in Group D. They did. Now this is going to be the part where Nick comes in to be to, to add a little bit of a wrench to this, and, and not to take anything away from Japan, um, but in their earlier victory over Scotland, I felt like this one probably should have gone slightly differently. Japan was characteristically great. They looked like the mu their usual selves for the most part in this match. But I think Scotland is kind of aggrieved here because they should have gotten a handball penalty call late in the game, which would have then made it uh, a... would have given them uh, a goal up. And then that goal that they did end up scoring through persistence that made it 2-1... I felt like this potentially could have been a draw for Scotland. Not that it would have ultimately changed too much, but I think this is one of the few things that VAR actually missed, um, which we'll get to the other games, and I'm sure uh, many will disagree with me. But at least in this game, I thought that was a clear and obvious penalty missed that wasn't given, that I actually think this game probably should have and could have ended 2-2 for Scotland. Speaking of Scotland feeling aggrieved... There, this was another instance where, you know, because of that history that I had, I wanted to watch England-Japan. And then in the very ending stages, when it was clear there was nothing in the game, you know, I got, I heard, check out Scotland-Argentina, and I flipped it on when the score was 3-2, and I was like, wow! Wow, I picked wrong! Wow, I picked wrong! <laughs> um, this was a game where uh, Scotland scores three times... Uh, Three times uh, well, unrespon or sorry un uh, with, with no res response. What am I? What word am I looking for here? However, I mean they do say a three nothing lead is the hardest to defend. Right. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, well, a two a two nothing lead is the most dangerous lead in football, uh, especially if you score another goal and make a three nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. This and what's crazy too is that um, th you. Th you really don't see the change in the the, the tide change coming because it doesn't come until the seventy third minute that Scotland has this game in the bag, and then Argentina fights back. The 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 first three goals they get the they're active on the rebound and they get it to someone open, uh, for that first goal from uh, Kim Little, the uh, second goal is a uh, a header and the third from. Um, from Aaron Cuthbert bounces off the uh, the goalpost, and you hear this line: "Surely heading to the knockout phase." Scotland are surely heading to the knockout phase. Damn you, commentators! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a game that unfortunately there's still been a little bit of this in a few games where it's it is really kind of bouncing balls and balls off bars, uh, creating a bit of chaos that's somewhat reminiscent of the U.S. Open Cup, where it's just a little bit helter skelter. Where you're like, well, if the ball doesn't go in, I can see why. And if it does go in, I can see why. Um, but Scotland was very good to just sort of keep the pressure on and stay alert in the box to get their three goals. However, uh, however. Chile get, gets one back, a nice little goal, and then all hell breaks loose. There's, there have been two penalty, penalty kicks that are like this. This is, this is the most egregious one. Uh, how would you describe it? Um, for me, uh, yes, the defender gets some ball, but she also completely cleans out the striker. And I think it's the follow through on that challenge that they're arguing is the penalty. Now, 
for me personally, yeah, I don't, I'm probably not going to call that one as a PK, but I think it's that follow through that takes her out. And it's not a clean challenge on the ball. She gets some ball. <laughs> she knocks the ball away with her knee, which I appreciate. Yeah. She gets some ball, but all striker. And I think that's where the argument is coming in. Now, I don't have the rule book sitting in front of me, but I've certainly seen this kind of penalty given before. So that's where, to me, I actually see this as slightly less egregious. And also keep in mind, I'm looking for every possible reason to side with Scotland here. So <laughs> I am somewhat... I'm My bias is towards not wanting to say that this is a penalty. Then we have this unfortunate thing that has come up a number of times where... The, the penalty is missed, but they say it's a redo because the goalkeeper comes off their line. This happened three or four times in matches, and I think it's the correct call in every single case. That the goalkeepers are coming off their line too soon, and you have to give a retake on that. Okay. It's unfortunate, but... Okay. Question. Counter. Here's the que okay, question. So, so the, 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 the setup here is... So this is a recent rule change, yes? The the specifically specifically that there has to be at least one foot on the line. I didn't know it was recent. I thought make I your thought, point and I'll look it up. I believe that that's the case that the the they've they've just changed it like days ago or like you know days before the, the tournament to to qualify exactly what that means that you have to be on the line and and it's the one foot idea. Now the the other question my understanding from when I looked it up is that you're allowed to be over the line if your foot is not physically on the line, but your foot is over top of the line, then that's fine. So it used to be that you had to keep two feet on the line. Yes. Now you only have to keep one. Yes. And is it over or does it, does it have to be physically touching the line or is as long as it is even to the line in the air, are you fine? I have no idea. Because this is my <laughs> argument. This is my argument. Clearly, she jumps up. Like, like clearly, she's in the air. Like, if you if you do this frame-by-frame frame analysis, like, her feet are not touching the goal line. I'm doing a, a live review of things here, and I just... I fast-forwarded... I skipped ahead to the, the where the penalty is called, and I'm, it just landed on the perfect frame where I'm like, that is 100% a penalty. Um... <laughs> Okay, let's see here. We're lining it up for the redo. Frame by frame. Ah, it's so hard. I think she goes early. I mean, it's so close, but mm. I think she goes early. That's fair. I mean, like, it's... it's. I think that what people are kind of on... This is the, the people's sort of negative takes on VAR. Oh, VAR is, is, is reading the game, etc. Is that they they wonder if you do have to, if you have to zap rooter it like this, does it, does it, uh, is that, you know, within the spirit of the laws? Um, there was the great tweet by Jess, Jess Fishlock where she says, the rules are being enforced. It's just that the rules don't always help the game. Yes, exactly. And I've seen a bunch of hot takes from people that, some with uh, not necessarily a ton of footballing experience, men in particular, who are like, VAR has no place, it's ruined the World Cup. And uh, it's just simply not true. The The rules here are being applied the way that they should be. But as you say, it doesn't necessarily mean that it makes for a better game, and it kind of sucks when it's something so close. Uh, okay, I've watched it three or four times now, and I'm like, it is so close. 
However, like VAR is making a decision. They can they've got many different angles. I'm okay with trusting here that they've got a view that says she's stepping off the line early, which it's easy to say like, okay, what if it's that close, then why bother re-giving it? It's because you can argue it the other way, that it's like, well, <laughs> from Argentina's point of view, though, if it's a fair retake, even if it's incredibly, incredibly close, they deserve that retake. They no? do. Like, they do. You're right. I mean, like, I... It sucks. It do, it does like it's not a romantic, fun storyline for the game for sure. But if they've got an angle <laughs> which, down to the frame, they can see the goalkeeper coming off the line, that's what VAR's for, and they have to call it. They do. They do. You're right. It's. I feel. Ooh, I wait, really. What was that? Can you say that again? You're correct. <laughs> um. I I really feel like I I felt the awkward position in this game of like cheering for the bad guy, where it's yeah. like. Where it's like I'm cheering for the team the the team that's make I'm cheering against the team that's making a heroic effort to come back three nothing in a World Cup game, uh, yeah. Because I because I want Scotland to go ahead, to, to to get something out of this tournament. A hundred percent. And then and we... then, then, then Argentina do do it, and I'm like, well, whatever. They're not making it to the knockouts anyways. I was very <laughs> salty. Yeah, that's fair. I fully embrace that. I wanted Scotland to get more out of this tournament as well. Um, the kit nerd in me also goes, how do I get one of these pink Scotland kits? The pink Scotland kits are great. They look so good. Um, um it, uh, what else are, uh, let's talk group E. Actually, no, let's go to the other, let's, let's go, let's go VAR for VAR here and go to group A and talk about, um, uh, Nigeria, France. Uh, yeah, we got to, right? Yes. Uh, what's. This is, there really is, unfortunately, just a PK to talk about in this game. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is why everyone's so outraged, is that there's just nothing else to really decide this game on. Uh, uh, Nigeria, uh, the, the defender gets sent off, um, and Wendy Renard. I, you see, I kind of forgot this game, by the time I was reviewing it yesterday, this game is now so far in my memory that I had forgotten about it, so the point where... Wendy Renard is stepping up to the penalty air spot. I'm like, ah, Wendy Renard's not going to miss this. And then she does, because <laughs> I forgot. So I experienced it again for the very first time. Um, after uh, Ebere is sent off, uh, the, and then there's this, uh, this another uh, bar thing. I will say for, for all that I tried to defend uh, Lee Alexander in the Scotland game, uh, the keeper is clearly ahead of the line here. Yeah. And uh, this is one, too, where, like, I, I heard all the talk about it before I watched it. So, of course, I was looking mainly for this and to see what, what happened in this match. Now, the first time I watched it, I went, well, I think maybe part of it is that on first viewing, I didn't think it was a penalty call. She's The goalkeeper's clearly off her line. People didn't seem to like that, but that's a so obvious of a call and the keeper rightly gets a yellow for it but watching it again a couple of times i i go back to like yeah i think it's a pk and i definitely think the keeper's off her line so again it's unfortunate and not a great storyline because nigeria uh, has played well and i think they've played better in this world cup than others previous however i i think all the car all the calls are correct in here and i'm gonna very unpopularly also side with VAR on this one. 
He, uh, one of the things, one of the, uh, the other, the other side of the group, um, France places first in the group in Norway places second by beating Korea, uh, the one, uh, two, one. Yeah. Good from Norway as well. I was happy to see, um, them go through. It's ex exciting again to see some, I mean, they've, they've been good in other world cups, but I'm, I'm excited to see, I kind of hope that they're one of those teams that just creates a little bit more drama for everyone else. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate that they're, they're facing Australia because I kind of want to see what both teams would look like if they got, went through a little further. Um, but this would be a really good match and one I'm actually most excited about. Great. Um, the, the, other, uh, the other thing, even though Nigeria did not get their result, um, they were definitely a team that I thought were especially coming especially at the uh, as the first match in this cycle of games i was like oh they're not going to be able to hold on in the you know the, the way this tournament works is that the the top two teams in every group qualify and then the four best third place teams which yeah. is which is a mouthful uh of the third of the six teams that place third in their group the four best ones advance and with one win, I really didn't think that was going to do that. That was going to happen for Nigeria. It's kind of like the awkward, um, the awkwardness of a of a figure skating free program where you do your best and you're like, well, or or you do your middle, mm -hmm. <laughs> you do your middle best, and then you think, man, I hope nobody comes along to knock me off. Um, and this actually what is what almost happened in Thailand, Chile. Mm -hmm. Where uh, you know Chile gets into the position where if they win, they're tying Nigeria on uh, on three points, but they have to erase their earlier goal difference. So they got to score three. They got to beat Thailand by three in order to make it through. Thailand, uh, <laughs> Thailand, only mathematically had a chance to qualify in this game, as they would have had to win by fifteen. <laughs> or 14 in order to uh, in order to make it um, in order to make it into the uh, the knockout round um, Chile gets an own goal on 48 minutes um, and gets a second goal but they can't quite make it to three no and I mean credit to Thailand for for holding them off here and this is Again, what I love about the other side of things, teams that kind of get written off, is that we don't necessarily see things they improve. And it's not just the end result of clearly uh, a 13-0 route and then a 2-0 route. Well, you can say that, yeah, the team's done better, but that doesn't, like, maybe their opponent just wasn't as good. But I saw Thailand, you know, make some adjustments here and improve. And ultimately, that improvement kept Chile out of... <laughs> the uh the knockout stages be even though they get this late penalty oh this if is we're the... gonna talk dubious oh, things I, i'm like um okay so they need three goals to win and then just out of nowhere a penalty is called and if you're gonna talk uh bad pk calls this one for me is rather dubious and yet... um but the soccer gods are on everybody's side and the penalty comes off the crossbar francisco lara this is this is I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But after Arusha's uh, headed goal, uh, this this penalty from uh, Francisco Lara uh, hits the bar 
one the the goal the goal that would have been the World Cup qual uh, knockout qualifying goal hits the bar, just heartbreaking. Even though even though it's 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 very narratively, you're absolutely right, but it would have been very narratively satisfying. Yeah, <laughs> and I think like it goes back to people's qualms with VAR, but I think people sometimes talk about it as like. Uh, like the robots have ruined soccer. Like it's still a person watching TV screens. Like it's still a referee. Um, and yeah, it's not as fun narratively. It would have been very satisfying. However, uh, you know, got to put it away. What can you do? Uh, the um, you have a, uh, in the other group F game, the U.S. complete their dominant um, group stage performance with a two nothing win over Sweden. Yeah, they should uh, do it well. Lindsay Haran scores on Har- I keep getting messed up because it's Haran, right? I listen to a bunch of yeah. podcasts where they talk about these player names in an American accent. It's Lindsay Haran. But then you go and you listen to Canada is only having local calls for the Canada games, mm-hmm. and they're using the international feed for everything else. And you have these international commentators saying, Lindsay Horan. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, that's not that's not how it how it's done though. That's not a person here. No. And then you have another uh you have another uh sad that was like um what was that? It's it's given as three minutes, I think, is the is is what that's being called, but I had seen it even uh called earlier than that. Um mm-hmm. it is Anderson Gets the own goal, I believe, is the uh, is this the is this another redirecting off the keeper case? That's what I recall. I think so. Yeah, it comes bouncing off the the back of the keeper. With uh, Tobin, uh, Tobin Heath scores it initially, and then it's recall re reset as an own goal. Um, I think that what this shows, Sweden was really strong in this game. Um, I think that the issue with the defense that you have to play against the United States mm-hmm. is that you have to stop them from getting going. Sweden Sweden played a pretty good reactive defense in terms of mm-hmm. trying to to come up with big saves and try to uh, contain a ramp like a rampant United States team. But I think that like you actually have to gum up the gears of the United States. Yeah. You have to stop them from gaining momentum once they have momentum you can't hold out forever the uh sweden's strength uh worries me because they will be facing uh canada in the next round um mm-hmm. and, and canada after after two games uh a reasonably solid opener against new zealand and then the uh or sorry against cameroon and then this uh the the game against new zealand where they had Two two decent looking goals. Sinclair did manage to score, hit the post a couple times, and then set up Michelle Prince for a rebound. Um, Jesse Fleming scoring the other one. Um, but in both games, look kind of tentative. So you kind of wonder, well, what is this going to look like when you when you hit uh, a more top ranked opponent? They still, I thought, looked a little tentative and and nervous against with their defense against the Netherlands. And yeah, they were not able to, uh, they were not able to pull out a result against a team that is ranked below them and, and is very strong and has, 
really benefited from players playing at the top levels in Europe. Um, but I had to be a little disappointed by this. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I'm going to give more credit to the Netherlands, not, not, not that you're not giving Netherlands credit here, but I mean, in terms of this result, I think it's a little more Netherlands than Canada not playing so well. But for me, the intensity that we saw for the last 15 to, or 10 or so minutes of this game from Canada is really what we need to see more consistently, is that the the passing shape, the interchanges that players had, they obviously know each other's positions really well, which gives them a really dynamic attacking shape because they're creating all sorts of overload situations and overlaps because players can swap in, like cut in, and then the infield player knows to go out back on the wing, and it really causes a lot of problems for defenders. And once they started doing that, the Netherlands started to really lose track of who they needed to mark and they were creating all kinds of problems. But it comes so late in the match that they're giving themselves this mountain to climb. The one note I did have in this game is that, I mean, Heidema gets this goal early on, but it's offside. And the bright spot for me here is this kid is going to cause serious damage in upcoming World Cups. Like That, to me, is just such a little signal of just how good she is to... She's got a clinical quality to her um, and a patience and a finish that you like, she's 17 years old. You're just like, this is, she's going to be an insane talent. She's already getting there. And certainly you see the effective, effectiveness of her really come in late into the match where she's creating all kinds of creative outlets for them. And I want to see more of that. And I think that as she develops, you're going to see a Canada that very much is going to start to play around her creative abilities um, but true to Dutch form in what we know about their national teams is they're just more clinical here. And Canada's defending is just a little bit too open. And the second goal from the Netherlands is one where they just put themselves in exactly the right positions. The striker is riding between the center backs. And even though she's being marked, is able to break through and get that winning goal. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. The, uh, from Lenef Berenstein was great. I would say the, the, the thing I want to say about the disallowed goal as well is that um, I think that this is another situation where people are stressed out because they about VAR, but the call was correct. If you're saying, that it's, a, if you're saying that it's a foot stomp, the foot stomp happened outside the area and, and, um, and the resulting free kick wasn't great, so, so there's little that we can kind of say about that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Is It's like, you can't get mad at uh, the system for working. It, it you can get mad that it you it ruins the game or it slows it down or whatever, but it's being used for these exact express purposes. And just because people are unclear on what clear and obvious means and when it can be used, I'm still yet to see a, a clear situation where VAR has been misapplied in this World Cup. Yes, has it ruined the narrative of a few games? Oh, absolutely, but. Now that it's I've been being used in the correct circumstances to make correct calls, and that's the point. Now that I've been so magnanimous, it's time to have a conspiracy corner. I don't think a Nuke Decker. <laughs> I think a Nuke Decker scores with her shoulder on that first goal. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but is the shoulder part of the arm? You see, on that, that's a great question. That's something that I, you know, it, under under my 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 Bates revised rules of laws of the game. I would, I would give that, but I don't, there, you know, there's a part of me that's just like, ah, <laughs> the, 
the Bates Revised Rules. <laughs> Where do I get a copy of that? <laughs> I'd love to see it. Uh, and then, of, of course, the other note for Canada fans in this game is that Christine Sinclair scores her 182nd goal. Um, yes. Really, after I think some real um, frustrating moments for her throughout the course of the group stage, this was a really emphatic strike from the left side. Um, to announce that she is not messing around. Um, a couple of other teams that I want to talk about before we shift to a couple of uh, domestic and uh, non-World Cup things is Cameroon uh, reaching the knockout stages. I thought that they had a really good tournament. Um, Inshu really bails her team out in the dying seconds of the New Zealand game and just decides to win the thing to see them through the beautiful couple of cutbacks and a tremendous finish um the type of individual brilliance that you love about this type of this uh this level of soccer where yes. somebody just needs to will it and make it happen and you just see a player pull out all the tricks in their bag to win this one with literally like eight seconds left in the match and i thought england played really well as well i think or, england is uh, a team new that zealand. could new zealand Sorry, New Zealand. No, yes, in I'm in. It was Cameroon, New Zealand, but I mean oh, I, I another team that also we, played well in the tournament is England. Before we move away from that, I really thought yeah. that uh, the New Zealand goalkeeper Naylor got hung out to dry in that game. Especially there was like one result, one one part where there was like two or three shots in a row. Yeah, uh, where where nothing happened, and in both goals, one of them was Abby Ursag, and the other one was Rhea Percival. I thought mm-hmm. uh, the the defenders letting their their marker go. Um, yeah. So Aaron Naylor, you did okay. I'm sorry. That sucked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we've we've been there. Um, and it, I'm really excited for this England Cameroon matchup in the knockout stages. I thought England had a great tournament and uh, is they've looked good in other tournaments, but this was again at one where they looked a little bit more clinical and like they could also be a team that causes some damage and goes quite far here um, because they're a team that's really improved and just in their consistency, their overall defensive shape looked better. Very few goals conceded. I think it was only one in the end um, for the group stages. So excited to see how they do. And the england Cameroon matchup should be a, a good one. Absolutely. Um, I got a chance to, uh, to catch a little bit of Gold Cup. I haven't been watching the most of it because I've been so focused on the Women's World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I tuned in to Canada versus Mexico, which was... It's like always with these games, whether it's against Mexico or, or as much as you don't want to say it against the United States, it's like you wonder when the other shoe is going to drop. And Canada had a great start and was mm-hmm. was, was trying was doing their best to, to contain... The, the, the strength of Mexico, um, but they gave up the goal just before halftime. Yeah. I'll, my takeaway from this one is it's still a much improved performance, and um, I also like the mentality of the team that I think I saw... Maybe it was actually Mark Anthony K tweeted something about, like, uh, we don't lose, we learn. Yeah. And I think that that's a great mentality. I love seeing the team stick together in this. Uh, a good feisty match. I like seeing John Herdman and Tata Martino yelling at each other, apparently, late, both later joking. They have no idea what the other person was saying. But <laughs> I love the feistiness of it, and I love that Canada, you know, 
did they go exactly toe to toe? No, but they certainly look better against Mexico than we have in other times. So That's true. it's it's still an improvement, and you know these things don't happen overnight. And there's some conversation around: Did Canada play their most effective starting eleven? No, they didn't. But you can't in every single game of a match like this where you're playing a ton of matches over a short period of time. You need to have squad rotation. And so I thought for a sort of like your next best starting eleven, I think that the the side had a very good result, and I'm I'm excited that the Canadian men's national team continues to grow. I liked the um, uh, I think that the the when you're talking about mentality, the fact that they do stick around to get that goal from Lucas Catalini, who plays mm-hmm. in Mexico, so he kind of gets his opportunity to make his mark. I liked all the little. Like you're saying with the with with Tata Martino and, and Herman the personal the personal touches, um, yeah. Mark Anthony K and Jonathan Dos Santos sparring in the midfield with the the LA Galaxy versus LAFC connection, yeah. Um, this is uh you're absolutely right that it's a learning experience. Canada has one more game in the group stage against Cuba, and then and then they will sort of move on. It'll remain to uh, be seen what they can do in the knockout stages. I was definitely had my attention broken by seeing uh, a sign in the crowd when uh, when Andres Guardado when when Eric Gutierrez was being taken off in the thirty seventh minute. I saw somebody waving a sign that said Canada La Nueva Vistama, um, which was apparently a Chilean meme, <laughs> uh, where somebody where somebody mispronounces the word victim in Spanish, and indeed we were. The Vistima in this game. <laughs> oh, soccer's so weird. Yeah, I've watched zero Gold Cup except for going back and watching the highlights of, of that match. The other uh, the other stuff we got, um, Canadian Premier League, uh, the spring season is drawing to its conclusion uh, at the beginning of at the beginning of July. Uh, Cavalry FC from Calgary is still undefeated after beating Halifax two uh, one. Mm-hmm. Um, they get uh, they get the rebound. Uh, the keeper punches it to somebody the, for the second uh, Halifax goal. Uh, the Halifax keeper punches it to somebody at the near post. Halifax score off a corner to make it one two, but they don't have enough chances. Mm-hmm. Um, York nine and Edmonton Edmonton. Uh, either both of them really need points because they're at the bottom of the table, but they come to a 0-0 draw. Um, Pacific FC get their second win of the season against Valor. And the one thing that I wanted to point out from this game, let this be a lesson to defenders. <laughs> the The ball is coming in for a cross, and one of the center backs has got both of his arms pinning an attacker behind their back. Like, he's got his arms sunk in. There's no way that it wouldn't have been a penalty. It looked like he was trying to hit a tiger suplex. Um, And in doing so, he left a second attacker wide open at the far post. Who collapses across and scores. And you can kind of see the other center back looking over like, What the heck, man? (laughs) Why were you... Why were you trying to... Why were you trying to, uh, to throw this... Why are you trying to throw this gentleman instead of doing your 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 job? Yeah, it's the it's the kind of like dubious marking and like that dirty defending that I think happens in some of the lower level soccer that um, sometimes gets the job done, but also tends to miss the point, which is 
um, to be positionally aware. <laughs> um, Dollar still looks great, but uh, in, in Winnipeg, answer to make it 1-1, but Pacific fires it home. Uh, Pacific takes it with a goal from Campbell. Um, also, we were, we're watching a little bit of U.S. Open Cup. We don't always catch the most of it, um, but we got a chance to look at this Houston-Minnesota game. <laughs> Sure did. <laughs> I think that this is the the antidote, the antidote to people being like, "Oh, VAR is ruining the game. VAR is ruining the game." Both of the first two Houston goals are messy as all get out. I love it. The thing that I love about U.S. Open Cup sometimes is it's a little bit like watching hockey, where it's just like a true knock 'em down, slug 'em out game, and it's fun to watch MLS sides just totally go for broke against each other, and everyone plays complete chaos and it's kind of fun that is true because it's it's like it's the playoffs except there there isn't sort of as much you do have to win or go home uh there also isn't really the same um insistence on consistency yeah that you and will I love see. too the coaches like smiling and shaking each other's hands after this game where they're just like wow that was a thing that just happened <laughs> The first goal is it, that Houston scores is incredibly offside. And the second, not only, not only is the uh, is the the it's like a, a dispossessed the the defender way up by the by halfway the the halfway line, but that's an offensive foul. What happens? What happens to give Houston the ball in the first place? And then as they run the ball in. This is not really mentioned in the highlights, but I'm going to make a gif of it because I just I it, it broke my be. it broke my conference it broke my uh, concentration so much. A defender piggybacks, or uh, no, an attacker piggybacks a defender as this is happening. Like they're running, they're they're running in, and the 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 person on the bottom of that uh, interaction just sort of like leans forward so that instead of you know sh- going shoulder to shoulder the player just sort of like flips on top of them and i didn't know that giving a piggyback was a def- was a was was a tactic that you could use before now well and i also think the the best part here is i think the attacker's looking to try to draw the foul but really didn't have a plan going into it so they're trying <laughs> to like just run into the back of the defender <laughs> But as the defender leans over to to sort of like block them and quote unquote stand them up, the, <laughs> the attacker just goes over and then just ends up just for like three seconds just held in this piggyback pose where it's like, I don't know that the defender necessarily had much other choice of what to do there and the attacker wanted a foul but really didn't think the thing through so just ends up in piggyback mode. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. More of it, more of it, more of it. Uh, Darwin Quintero gets two um, and that's the... Uh, it then it Finley cuts it back. I don't have the goal scorer in front of me for the, uh, the third goal but Minnesota come back after going down into this 2-1 lead. That's right. I always thought it was the other way around, but it's the, uh, no, it is the attacker. I thought that it was a defender, but the defender is on top. It's the attacker that decides to throw the piggyback on. I thought, I, I thought it was the other way around. It's the Houston, the Houston player is the one that, that, uh, that puts the game and the defender on his back. Um, <laughs> Um, MLS is back in action this weekend after what seems like nine years. Uh, we're back into it. 
Um, I haven't looked too much ahead at the matchups, but I did just briefly want to give a little shout out and get well soon. Unfortunately, Will Bruin tore his ACL in a training oh, ground no. incident and is effectively out for the foreseeable future. Oh, Definitely no. the rest of the season. And of course, we're such big Will Bruin fans here because the underlooked guy who just, he's only started four matches, um, but I think he's got a go two goals and an assist or a goal and two assists, but really unfortunate um he's such a crucial piece for seattle that doesn't get much attention um or certainly as much attention as he deserves a long-standing mls vet um and unfortunately he's out which we hate to see these acl injuries um starting to wonder if there's going to be questions asked of seattle's medical staff considering the number of players that have been getting these types of injuries and certainly not good to see it's happening in practice can just be accidental Regardless, our best wishes and speedy recovery to Will Bruin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're also the the union scored a a, a, a USA German uh, dual national Andrew Wooten, mm -hmm. um, who uh, and the thing that I love, I think it was uh, uh, Paolo Moore who tweeted this that was just like, I love when a team as uh, as as Wooten's club did tweets. Uh, he was playing for, for SV Sandhausen tweets, good luck in MLS. And everybody in MLS is trying to figure out, wait, what? Where's he going? Who's he? Who, who's he? At MLS is my favorite transfers. The ones where a European club tweets about their players transferred to MLS. And no one over here has any idea where he's actually going. <laughs> um, but both, both Minnesota and Philadelphia are, Getting better and making additions, and mm -hmm. I mean the union are the union are first in the East right now, and they're making and they're and they're strengthening. So so this is they are they are one of the powers in the league. Strange as it is for me to say. So until uh, next week's um, and, and I guess as we as we talk tomorrow's return of MLS, uh, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and the Instagram at That's So MLS. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. I'm an editor at Howler Magazine, whathowler.com. You can find this podcast at uh, That's So MLS.com and uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get uh, these wonderful things. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Absolutely. And until next time, don't. Get sent off.